the way we practice medicine is broken. Private practice owners, it's time to change the status quo that's leaving us and our staff burned out, and our patient dissatisfied because we don't have the time or the energy to give them the care they deserve. Deep down, you know, if you don't change your practice. Things are about to get a lot worse. Five years ago, I found a way to cut my clinical hours by 40% while increasing my income and delivering top-notch care. Since then, I have helped other practice owners achieve the same results. If you're ready to rewrite the rules for your own practice so you can have more time off, a great team, and more income while delivering better patient care. Then join us for inspiring interviews with thought leaders in the medical industry. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Sabrina Rumbach, your host for the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast, and we have another exciting guest here with us, Dr. Alison Lai, and he is an ophthalmologist. And he has been going from just not only as a clinician, but also developing different skincare brands, entrepreneurial rounds, and、uh, really expanding as how many of us think if we are not to be hired by a hospital or big practice, what do we do with ourselves? How do you even go from just me? Coming out of medical school, coming out of MP school, all like fresh and exciting. Hey, let's go start working. To I want to create something on my own. I want some either it's my name behind it, or I have some saying in the way that we deliver care, or the brand that we have behind the mission and behind the message. So I'm so excited for you to be here. So please introduce yourself. Thanks so much, Sabrina. Thanks for having me. My name is Elson Lai, she said, and、uh, I'm a Local Southern California native. I went up to Berkeley for my undergrad. Then went out to Chicago for my med school. Then went to UT Southwestern in Dallas for my residency. And then after residency, I decided, hey, I'm coming back to Los Angeles and、uh, found my first job at a residency in Orange County. And that's where my,、uh, I guess, my journey began. So once you had your first job, when Did you feel like, hey, that was the pivotal moment that I want to create something on myself from、uh, not just、uh, being a clinician, but actually going to discover business? And that's something that really none of us are really trained, right? We're we're in school, we're just trained to research, know your stuff really well. You're seeing patient, you're going at it, and that's a very different hat from developing an idea, making it come true. And knowing how the finance work, how the client service works, how to put a team together. So when did it all come together? So four months into my first practice, I realized that wasn't the practice I wanted to be at. And they tell you, you know, maybe more than eighty percent of your first job, people will take their first job. That's really not going to be your final job. So I always call it a almost like a business fellowship when it comes out to when I talk to residents because you really don't understand the business side of practicing medicine when you come out of residency. So after four months, I decided, hey, this is not the practice I wanted to be at already, and I couldn't outlive the owner of the practice because he was only in his late forties. 
So if you're, you know, if they're in their late sixties, they may retire. You may be able to purchase a practice. Well, I couldn't. So, you know, majority of my time would have been with this guy. So I decided, Hey, I, I was, I was looking for other opportunities. I was, I was already window shopping, so to speak. And then, you know, Christmas rolls around. Obviously we, I started my job around August, Christmas rolls around. And, uh, one of my high school friends said, Hey, meet my business partner. And this guy's a serial entrepreneur. And he said, he's from out of, you know, out of the country wants to bring some stuff here. And I said, Oh, you know, let's just meet him and, you know, see what happens. And obviously a lot of about life is networking. And so the more people you meet, the more chances, availabilities you get in, you know, other scopes of stuff. So we met, we had a, basically a three hour dinner and we didn't talk about business. We just talked about life in general, you know, what makes you happy, like what's going on. And we just got to really know each other. And four months later, I reached back out just to see, Hey, what, where's this project going? And they said they were, they were going to go ahead with it. And, uh, this is what April, June, April, May of, you know, of 2012 now, and my year contract is coming up. So I only signed a year contract. And by that time I knew I was leaving and I just wanted to see what was going to go on. So I actually asked for a raise and more time off. And he said, no, he just flat out said no. And I already knew he was going to say no. So I had my resignation letter ready right then and there. So I handed it in basically shocked that I was resigning and I didn't have a job. I didn't have another job. And that's how bad the job was. Right. I didn't have any backup. So I was, I started to, you know, start looking for stuff. And at that time I was talking to my business partner now more and more and more about doing the skincare line here. And then I happened to know the ophthalmologist that, Hey, there's a, they're looking for a per diem at Kaiser in Los Angeles. And she was already working there. And I was like, Oh, I'll just sign up. So I was basically working. So I quit that job and I went to Kaiser and I worked three 12 hour shifts. Usually it's eight hours. So I would go seven to seven. I would go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because it was actually a 80 mile drive one way from where I was. So I would go out there Tuesday, stay at a hotel, like a motel's hotel. And there's no hotels out there. It's just motel. And I would stay out there basically Tuesday, Wednesday night, and then drive back home Thursday. And at that time I was living at home now. So after I quit my job, I had no source of income and I wanted to start this project. I moved back home. And so who knew 14 years after graduating from high school that you would be back in the same bedroom 14 years later. And you're like, what the heck just happened? I thought I went to medical school. I'm going to make money and be able to rent. Nope. I'm back in my middle school. I mean, it's also courage. If you think about Someone who just flat out, it's bad. I need to quit because this environment is so detrimental to me. It's not good for me to even stay any longer. And especially, we know by statistic, the number one factor in higher performance is appreciation. So clearly in your job, you ask for more flexibility and time off to show the appreciation and not seeing us as RV use, right? These numbers right. driven by just how much you're billing. What? Clearly, we don't care about billing, but it does care from more of a revenue standpoint or how much you're actually giving to your patient. We understand this concept, but if we got pushed to the extreme, then of course, no one wanted to stay. And it's such, I, I definitely applaud you for just like, no, no, no. 
Like I know myself better. I deserve better. So even though I don't have another job, it's fine. And for anybody out there who never know about locum, yes, you do get higher pay. Sometimes you work a little longer. You have to drive a little further, but you can technically work less hours and get just the same amount of pay if you really choose to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, and so I used those four days to basically, you know, do. I guess what you call side gigs, right? So you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life at that time. So you know things started to come together, and obviously I was in Orange County at that time. Los Angeles is where I'm from. I'm out from the suburbs of Los Angeles, and I wanted to come back in this area because I was up here all the time. I'm a big Lakers fan, big Dodger fan. You know, being in Orange County and having to drive 50 miles to see a Laker game just wasn't for me. So I wanted, you know, life was important to me. Even though I got smaller pay than most of my co-residents, because you know, obviously I'm in Los Angeles, big suburb, you're going to get paid less. You know, maybe two, two and a half times less than what I would get paid if I was in, you know, North Dakota or Montana, right? So I took a pay cut coming back already. So at that time, that's why I had to move home. So you know, that journey really started from there. That was where my brain was like just constantly working, working, working. Exactly, and also I think it's just a culture, right? We always feel like we have to always be on, always be working. And if you don't, and if it doesn't feel like the fruit come in such a labor, and then how do we deserve it? If it's too easy, do we really cherish everything? Instead of like I talk about this all the time, if you're not living in your desire zone, means if you're not doing the things that you really love to do, it just naturally in the flow, and you're really good at. Then it's not sustainable. So eventually, you can be so excited, right? Our、yeah. focus, our excitement might be at eight or nine out of ten. But how long are you gonna sustain it there? And eventually, you're gonna drop、right. that down. And if you drop that down, you don't know how quickly to bring yourself back up. That's when people lose the momentum. They start procrastinating, finding something else out, and never really get anywhere. Yeah, most people aren't happy, right? You talk to I talk to a lot of people because a lot of people ask me, "Hey, how did?" How do you just work 26 hours a week now at your own practice? How do you sustain that? You know, and I tell them, you know, if they're at their job, I was like, if your boss gave you another half a million dollars, say you make a million dollars a year, would you be happy? The answer is no, because there is a cutoff of where you know how much money you can make and what your happiness is. There's a lot of doctors out there that make less, work less, but they're way happier because they're in their desired location, that where they want to live. And they're able to live that lifestyle that they want to live instead of working for somebody, seeing sixty patients a day, and they're just not happy because you can't spend your money because all you do is work, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it, that's the adjustment, especially for people who branch out. You have your own practice now. You thought, oh, I am creating freedom because now I get to judge this. But think about if you are a clinician and you're a manager and you're the entrepreneur and you're your sales team. All these different hats—they're not where we train ourselves for. So you, we still have to pick one thing that you really enjoy learning more and excel in. So then you can give up some of the hats. No one's gonna make you feel like that you didn't do enough unless you made yourself do that, right? And so just like you're、right. saying, like we don't have to make X amount. To show up as someone, and you don't have to build your own business. You don't have to be the chief of, of your department. Like you don't have to do that. You can find how do you want to live first, and then reverse engineer. What does that true freedom mean to me? Is that time? Is it people? 
I feel like people is very important, right? And then it's a finance and it's a location. So what, where does the,、uh, everything spectrum lays? And so then we can be better at judging、uh, what's the next thing. So I know for you, you also touch upon this very important thing is networking. And if we don't even network, we don't know what's out there. Also, when we network in healthcare professional. Like actually, it's pretty small, right? Like the the people who do this、uh, similar stuff, and then you can help each other out, and that's how we grow, right? We're leveraging each other. So, what would you suggest? Um, since you started talking to more people, what would you suggest when people do, uh, whether they're being in practice for a while or like new coming out? What do you recommend for people to do to network better? You know, it's I tell them it's a lot about luck, right? You know. Doctors, nurses, MPs, PAs—we're all stuck in the same boat for four to ten years of our life. And most of my good friends are my co-residents, you know, from residency, and they go through the same thing every year, right? We we do we go through residency together, so we have a lot of things in common. But that's who we all congregate to. And then when you go out to practice, you're hanging out with the same people. You're in the doctor's lounge. You're not. So there's nobody that's really doing business, right? And so you get stuck in this bowl where you really don't. Don't know how to branch out. Older doctors, let's be real, they made tons of money back in the '80s and '90s. A lot of the doctors now, because of you know loans and school loans, and also decreased payments from insurance companies, you know, and as an ophthalmologist, we have to do like six times six times the amount of work to make what they made back in the '80s. You know, I just started branching out because I, you know, I had friends and other. Obviously, my high school friends and my college friends were outside of medicine. So when I came back to Los Angeles, I would hang out with them, meet more people. Like I said, my high school friend introduced me to my business partner. He's a serial entrepreneur, and then that's when you know when we got to the point where we started this med spa company called Skin Laundry.、Um, that's where we, you know, I met more people, and through his, you know, introductions, I met a lot more people, and I understand the business side of. Other things besides just practicing medicine, and I'd be—it's real too. Most doctors are bad businessmen. They're good clinicians, but they're bad at making decisions because they're risk averse, right? And so they're always wondering how to make more money, but they're risk averse to putting their money in things that can make them more money. So that's what I see in the what the minds of doctors are now, and that's where my story comes to fruition, right? A lot of doctors when they Go to the surgery center. They're like, "How do you do only these any cases? And how do you go on vacation all the time and all that? You know." And that's how you diversify. You got to diversify to make your money, right? That's in every aspect of any job that you have. You know, that's why they say diversify your portfolio, right? Because you have different things that because one you can't put all your eggs in one basket because if that basket cracks, then all your eggs are gone. So, but I got lucky. I just met a lot of people, and when it came to like. You know, with skin laundry, I got I got to meet a lot of like Dancing with the Stars, like a lot of the judges on Dancing with the Stars, the dancers on Dancing with the Stars. I got to meet Olympians and and just randomly because they were coming into you know the skin laundry shops and and so I was able to meet and that and then that's how I grew my network and network and network and I met more people and that's how I got it. It's really luck, but you just have to put yourself out there and that's、right. the thing. Put yourself out there. 
I don't think you. It's really truly luck. It's you had the intention to say, I know I'm not good at everything. I'm really good at what I do, and I'm okay with learning a lot of bunch of stuff through people. So you intentionally put yourself in a spot to talk to your friends who are in different positions that can connect you with your current partner. And I think that's the mentality we all have to have is that networking really means you have to just. Be in the place to receive. Now, like in psychology, we talk about this: is whether you can practice the law of receptivity. It means two ways. Some people feel like, well, since、uh, I'm smart, I can figure everything out. Then they don't reach out to people, trying to make things easier for them, and they rather go for the harder route. Versus the other people, it's like, well, if I'm only concentrating, um, this is my one specialty. Then do I want to explore the other thing, right? Like you, like skincare, clarity, dermatology is not your primary thing, but you can learn. You can still learn the business side of it. You are not risk averse for sure, and we know how to activate myself in a way of I'm、um, at least comfortable, unconfident in the way that I can learn and connect. And that's for all of us to be able to think about. Like there are sabotaging tendencies. There are not us. Right, like they are just lies that we learned, whether it's from family, if,、uh, friends, how we grew up, what we learned to social media, the news. But we are our better self. So that's the thing. Like I believe I'm almost like the connector standpoint, right? Like a lot of people come to me for productivity. How do you increase your revenues? Get gain more time. Okay, and I understand this end result I'm giving you. But at the end of the day, you need to know how to connect with different resources and mostly is people. So then you're not the one who do everything. If you're the hardest working person in your practice, that's something wrong with that picture. That's very true. I just love the variability of my life, you know, because when I co-founded the spa company, you know, we hired dermatologists. I mean, obviously, you know, I work with lasers, but Dermatology. I mean, they know their stuff too. So we hire dermatologists to help set this up. You know, so you have to reach out to the specialties that that know what they're doing, and then that way you can create a culture that we know it's safety, and the protocols are there. And like you said, I don't know everything. I need the help from dermatologists that know that stuff, and that's where that's where it all got started. You know, skincare products. I don't know any of that. Dermatologists do. They know all these things, you know. If you want to talk about cataract surgery, if you want to know about lenses we put in the eye. That's that's what I do. And so, yeah, you really do have to. I, I call myself like an octopus because I'm the headquarters, but I have you know arms out there reaching out to other people to really you know ask for help. Right, and for anybody who have read the book E Myth, and that's really what he talked about is. As healthcare professional, we're the technician, right? Like we we got trained, we do this job, we cure people for this specialty, and then once you go into business, you're supposed to be the entrepreneurial. So if you're the entrepreneur person, that means you're a boss who have a vision. And then how do we make vision come true? Is have a manager to know all the pieces to make a cohesive and have all the technician to deliver the service. Right, so we needed to come out of the place where we feel like, oh, I just got all these degrees, all this training to do this thing. But once, just like 
Dr. Langer, he wanted to be an entrepreneur. So you can then hire the technician, the dermatologist, the people who are specialized in these things, and hire the background people, right? The managers to make sure the clinic is running great and people are loving it. That's why you have celebrities, you have people come to the clinic and you have people who are really good at customer service. So they can continue to come back and be your best customer, be your best referral base. And so we need mm -hmm. to be able to set those different hats into the place. If you wanted to just go in, don't have to think about your client coming in, you just wanted to have a set schedule and do it, then stay being a clinician, right? And then mm -hmm. if we wanted to expand to have some, uh, some type of lifestyle and vision that we imagine in our head, we want to create something, then go for it. Be an entrepreneur. And when you do be an entrepreneur, stop wearing multiple hats because we can't keep everything at flow. And eventually you realized what keeps you at your desire zone and then be honest about it. It's okay if we don't practice clinically anymore. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, want to do their own thing. A lot of clinicians want to do their own thing. It's like, you know, they get to the edge of the bridge and they don't know whether to jump or not. You know, and that's where everybody gets stuck. Is it too high? You know, they have a parachute. Is it too high? They're not going to die, but they just don't want to take that, you know, leap of faith. And the moment you decide is when your brain just explodes because that's when the ideas start rolling in. And so after I, you know, started the Skin Laundry brand, co founded it, and I was on there for medical directorship for about three years. It was automatic, you know, it was like kind of like Starbucks. You just told, we just said, okay, this is the location we want to start. And then we just build it up because it was pretty much automatic at that time. So we, you know, brought in another medical director. I stepped down from the day-to-day -day operations. And then that way I can concentrate on my own practice. Cause at that time I was also building my own eye practice at that time. So I wanted to still be a eye surgeon cause that's what I love to do. And so when I started it, you know, it took me a while. I saw what I saw maybe eight patients my first month and I was like, what the heck is this the right idea? Like, you know, eight patients, that's not going to cover any bills. And so my dad always told me once that he said, you got to spend money to make money. And so a lot of people decide they can build something and then they just think people are just going to come to you, but you really do have to go out there and advertise and knock on P PCP's doors and just continue to just annoy them basically, you know, just say, Hey, I'm here. Here's my cell phone. If you need emergencies come in, you know? So I went from a zero patients to now I have like, I think over 12,000 in about eight years. But that's because the first six months I hadn't, I thought people, you know, doctors, I graduated from med school. People are going to come to me. They didn't come to me. I saw 200 patients, new patients, six months. That's not going to pay the bills. So I had to like rethink about how do I get more patients to come in? And that's when you got to spend money. You got to just advertise. And, you know, for the last four years, I haven't advertised like one penny, you know, because you know, people know who I am now and, and it's all word of mouth referrals now. Exactly. When we start anything is we have to know the market, uh, location, right? Their need, this big message of branding. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people miss out on it. Just like, huh, they need me. <laughs> How do they know even you exist? If yeah. you don't do branding or marketing yeah. at any type of capacity. And yes, yeah. you do have to spend this money to hire the right marketing companies, whether it's SEO, whether it's a certain 
different ad where you have to put the ad in front of the right client who will even want to learn about it and plus hiring people who are like a medical liaison or teach those people to go to the PCP office, go to different department that will actually have your existing people, clients already, right? You have to have this background set for us. But if we're not having any infrastructure to do that, and many people always feel like, well, I just don't have the finances. Well, you you must have some planning before you even open your clinic, right? right? So even you, but don't you don't have to. That. Like, go ahead. I said, you don't really have to have the finances because it's, it's you, right? You're trying to sell yourself because you're the doctor. So just going to PCPs, eating at hospitals, eating in the doctor's lounge in the hospitals. That's how I met the other doctors. Doing hospital like grand rounds, teaching or doing just their community lecturing. I did a lecture on eyeballs and the liaison at the hospital said they've never seen this many people at one of these like lunch and learns basically because a lot of people are fascinated by the eyes because it's, you know, it's so different. There's not many ophthalmologists out there. There's a lot of optometrists, but not a lot of ophthalmologists and surgery on the eyes is just scary. Right. And so, you know, you go to these things and you meet a lot of people. I still have people come in and I'm like, Oh, you know, I asked them, oh, how did you find find out about me? And they said, oh, you did that lecture. And I was like, that lecture was six years ago. And they, they're just coming in now. So it's like, you don't need the, when you, when I say, you know, go out there and spend money. I mean, you got to, when I say, you know, bring, you know, $20 worth of nothing but cakes, right? And then to the PCP's office or the optometrist's office or anybody, it's organic. And you can go out there and just spend a little money. You just have to drive around and then find all these people and then, once you take care of their patient, they'll go back and talk to them and then boom, it like it lights your house on fire. And then that's when people start coming in. Exactly. So in the beginning, when you don't have that many patients, you can do that yourself. And really the most uh, more effective way is you're going to hire someone, train them how to do these liaison thing, because then it costs you less to hire that person than doing yourself as you start to offset and grow, right? Yep. And so that also means, again, this is all networking. Even you go to a lounge, eat at a physician lounge, you don't talk to anybody. <laughs> That's also not the point. It's yeah. you kind of just have to introduce yourself yeah. and have that 30 second intro that I always say, like, no, what are you going to say? Just very quickly introduce yourself. What are you about? And then people are going to be so interested in who you are, what your practice is about. And then they'll start making that connection, making the referral when they have you on the top of the mind, right? For that specialty. So it's yeah. definitely crucial for us to do more networking as a clinician, as anybody in healthcare, no matter which subspecialty you are. And that also applies to anybody who has, even in a hospital base, right? Like when we know we have to send people to the hospital, you want that person to be really taken care of. So you need to have that connection. So I know like there's so much we can talk about on like getting started, getting where we think our career should go in healthcare. And it's hard to be an expert in everything. Um, you definitely show a lot of courage for, hey, this first job is not it. I found my way and built my own practice and I start something completely not in my field and still made us super successful. And it's because yeah. we can also continuously to reassess where we are in life. So I asked all our speakers to take a quick holistic life assessment. So Dr. Long, 
What did you feel when you took that little assessment? And then when I show you your life will, any thoughts popping into your head at the moment? Well, I think one of the things that I know that is one of my issues is having family and loved ones. Even from the start of med school, you're kind of like, you know, horse blinders, right? Everybody's going on vacation, but you're just studying. You can't go on vacation. You know, my brother went on vacation more than I did in my 20s, but now I get to go on vacation now. But it's just that time is a huge, huge thing. I wish I just had more time, you know, and I'm the type of person who like, I get bored and we didn't get to talk about like, you know, I started another company after I stepped down and my practice got plateaued and basically it was running on itself. You know, I got bored and that boredom started turning that wheel again. And that's why, you know, I wanted to start another management company to help other doctors start their own practices because there's a lot of people out there that just don't know what they're doing and they need that guidance. And I want to make sure that, you know, it's still able, sorry, I'm off topic, but people are still able to do this themselves. And, you know, you're not stuck in this, like, you know, I have to work at Kaiser. I have to work at these big hospital type based practices. You know, I mean, physicians need to take back their own things and not let, you know, MBAs dictate on, what they can or cannot do. A lot of the times that I'm sure you know, is like insurances tell us what to do. You can't do this, you can't do that. I mean, how is that medicine now? But when it's your own practice, you get to make that decision, you know, and it's easier to make those decisions and not have somebody else tell you, hey, this is what you need to do. And that's what my last practice, my first practice was just like that. He said, you got to do it this way or you can't do it this way. I'm like, I'm my own physician. I'm not your fellow. This is how I was taught. You know, and this is what I'm more comfortable with. And now, so we, we built six other practices for eye doctors throughout the country, Biloxi, Mississippi. We just went out to Tampa. We're opening up our sixth one in Tampa, Orange County, Texas, Napa Valley. And so, you know, we want physicians to really, really understand that you could do this on your own. And with a little help, we can help you be really successful. Exactly. Perfect. So I know there's going to be people who wanted to reach out to you, especially to learn about how do they start their own practice. How do they go about finding you? You can go to the website. It's called ipracticepartners.com. Maybe you can share a link or something, or you can just uh, email me. I'm available. I just have a, you just email me at Dr. Lai. That's D-R-L-A-I at rosemeandi.com. I can, I'm happy to answer all the questions. Or the Academy website, we post some job listings on the Academy at AAO, and you can find us out that way. So um, yeah, it's, it's a management company where four of their eye doctors that also started their own practice from scratch. The five of us are basically the, the brains behind it then. So that's why we decided, hey, we should do this and help people open up their own practices. Exactly. Right. It's all about individual empowerments. Uh, I know like when people are in that state and as you're saying, time is such a big commodity. And then, yeah, it's like all my clients, like, how do you save me more time? It's like, okay, well, we'll get there, right? But let's think about where you are now. Like, where do you even want to go? Let's not like running two steps ahead of time when you can't even stand still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's amazing that you're able to help people on that. And I encourage everybody, especially you're in a place who wanted just to have a chat with him reach out and we'll have all the links in our show notes so, so you guys can connect, have conversation. And you know, in the present time, it's all about networking. It might not be your perfect fit, but at least your brain start going. Especially like Dr. Lai, he's just 
entrepreneur, right? You, you're always thinking about something, your gear is always running. So it's not going to be in his desire zone to just sit there seeing patient come and go and only doing procedures. And yes, that can be boring. But for some other people, maybe that is what make your self be really truly happy and then you can build a practice have someone else run it and all you do is doing the clinical part so knowing where you are matters a whole lot so i appreciate everyone for listening in i appreciate you dr lag for being here chatting with us and sharing your wisdom and just empower us to really think outside of the box right medicine is not just this one thing, just find your job, have safety blanket, right? The retirement, the, the 401k and healthy insurance. You can build a practice and give yourself all that. It's <laughs> true. That's true. Awesome. Until next time. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to today's episode. You're listening to me right now. Azar, you're frustrated by how healthcare practices are running today. I'm with you. I'm looking to change the conversation that we're having in this field. It starts with me and it starts with you. I want to connect with you and get to know your own struggle or challenges within the healthcare industry. Visit sabrinarombach.com forward slash connect, where you are going to find all of my social media platforms. Feel free to send me a direct message. If you like me, prefer speaking, then you can record a voice message on the page. Additionally, I can get you an exclusive invitation to one of my monthly collaboration think tanks that are limited to 30 healthcare disruptors. So come to sabrinarombach.com forward slash connect and let's continue the conversation. She really gets the conversation. She understands. She's an incredible listener. We were talking about worthiness and she really understands the concept of it, how it affects people in their businesses, in their clinics, in, in their daily life, in their relationships. So I just want to encourage you to one, listen to our show, but to jump on board and start listening to this woman because she has so much insight and wisdom that you don't want to miss out. Hi, this is Emmanuel Anthony, human behavioral speaker, researcher, writer, teacher, author, and consultant. I just had the amazing opportunity to connect with Sabrina on what I think is amongst one of the most professional podcasts that I've been on. Uh, not only is her professionalism very high, but her understanding and her knowledge as well. Uh, working with podcasters, sometimes I'm just being interviewed, which is perfectly fine because I'm there to share my knowledge. But this is one occasion where I can definitely say that the person that I was communicating with not only was receptive and understanding to the concepts that we were communicating in terms of business and mindset and growth, but she also had was able to elaborate and expand on those concepts. Now, I've been doing this for 11 years. I've been on a lot of podcasts. I've spoken to a lot of people with a wealth of knowledge. It was very, very fulfilling and very nice to be able to communicate with somebody that not only had a plethora of knowledge, but could share that in a bite size and very easily understandable kind of way. Because it doesn't matter what kind of knowledge a person has, if they can't communicate it to you. I've been speaking for the last 10, 15 years in hundreds of college campuses. Um, but to be able to speak to a peer or someone who uh, I can see eye to eye with on the same level, it becomes a conversation. Uh, I'm not talking to an audience, I'm talking to a friend or someone that I felt like I should have met 10, 15 years ago, um, but you know, better late than never. 
here I am right now to be able to just know that I'm not alone in my thoughts, uh, to know that there are other people out there who have reached the similar conclusions that I have with completely wayward and different life paths, to know that uh, there are people like us out there who believe that you can do not just option A or option B, but to do both. You can have both, that you can have cake and eat it too without hurting other people. There's an ethical ability that one may have when they channel their empathy to reach people and to have them go far together. I'm Christine Nguyen, I'm a family physician and um, the founder of the White Coat Romance, the dating app and development for um, healthcare professionals um, and the larger community of White Coat professionals. And I had the honor of being a guest on the uh, powerful and passionate healthcare professionals podcast as hosted by the wonderful and lovely Sabrina Renbrack, whom is so empowering. Um, I love her energy. I love all the work that she's doing to support healthcare professionals. And we had just a blast, like talking about um, all the things that are relevant um, in our community and all the work that we're doing. And I love uh, listening to all of her podcasts and all the guests that she's interviewing um, and all the great work that they're doing. And it's just so inspiring. Um, her energy is infectious. And I love um, that she is constantly uplifting this community so i encourage that everybody go out there and go check out her podcast i would go ahead and binge on all the episodes like i did and you won't regret it 